On today's show, I am joined by Dylan Burkhart of UM Hoops to talk about Kobe Bufkin, the Hawks' first-round pick. Kind of a deep dive into him, as we did previously with other players. A lot to get excited about. We'll have all of that and more on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1515 of the on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Wednesday here in early July. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast, making us your first listen here at on Hawks each and every day. Check us out and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Spotify or Apple or YouTube on the video side. And I'm joined in a second by Dylan Burkhart talking about Kobe Bufkin and sort of a breakdown in that fashion, as you might expect, of a first-round draft pick for the Hawks. Previously, I talked to I talked to Bill DeFilippo about Seth Lundy, the Hawks' second-round draft pick, also Muhammad Gay with Bryce Hendricks in previous days, uh, also a, re- a recent trade breakdown podcast by myself with regard to the Usman Garuba, Ty Ty Washington trade that took place over the weekend. Also, our last podcast, but re- most recently, was a Summer League preview episode talking about the roster and the schedule and also a rundown on the latest rumors with Pascal Siakam. Not much has changed there in the day or so since then across July 4th, but obviously we'll spring into action if anything were to happen in the bigger world at that point in time with rumors or you know all that, all that fun scuttlebutt this time of year. But as of now, today's podcast will just solely focus on Kobe Bufkin. So without any further delay, I'll be diving up with Dylan Burkhart and Kobe Bufkin in just one second. I'm joined now by a genuine Michigan basketball expert. Honestly, and I promise everyone, my first call when I heard that Kobe Bufkin was going to be the pick at 15 overall, Dylan Burkhart. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, thank you. Uh, excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I didn't say this before we started recording. Uh, last year, I, I, had a, I had an inkling that the Hawks actually might consider Musa Diabate in the second round. And I was almost going to tell you and uh, that I was going to ask you to come, almost like pre-ask you to come on the podcast. And then he went before before the Hawks pick. So, uh, this is sort of the payback for for all of that. <laughs> and this year they had two options. It was Kobe or Jed Howard. I thought they were both kind of in the Hawks range. And uh, here we are with Kobe Bufkin. Um, I want to start because, you know, obviously you have very deep insight on Kobe. I want to start even before he got to Michigan because I know you cover recruiting for Michigan. He was a pretty good recruit for Michigan and kind of had a weird freshman season as well. So I want to start there. Um are you surprised at all with how this kind of trajectory went? Because clearly a lot of people are focused on this year, which is when he kind of broke out, obviously. But what did you make of Kobe before he even got to Michigan and kind of how the uh, the freshman year went? Because even he said uh, at the draft, it was not like what he expected necessarily. Yeah, it's really interesting because of just everything that was going on at the time. Like everyone knew Kobe Bufkin was a good prospect. He was kind of like a top 60, top 75 prospect as a younger guy in high school, right? Like his soft, like everyone knew he was good. And then COVID happens and his main kind of what will be his like prep, his grassroots summer basically got wiped away due to COVID. There was no EIBL that summer. Uh, there was a lot of, if you go back and look at that high school recruiting class, there are a lot of misses. There are a lot of guys from that class that are in the transfer portal now who are supposed to be all Americans. They're not in the draft, right? It was a weird year. And he was one of the big risers. He played in a few like smaller events, not shoe circuit stuff, looked really good. Had a really good um, senior year until he, I think, I want to say he hurt his wrist, but he, he missed like the last few games of the year. Uh, and all of a sudden he ended up kind of in the McDonald's All-American game. Like he wasn't really this top 25 prospect, but everyone was like, wow, this guy's had a great 12 to 24 months here. And 
the problem was always what what does that mean when you're not it's not peach jam it's not some of these high profile events not everyone is there you're watching off streams it was just sort of unprecedented territory to figure out what was up from down in recruiting because it wasn't what you're used to right the priors weren't there um but the thing that always stood out about kobe is that he was basically a year younger than everyone in his grade yeah um and that was why he was an awesome prospect, right? Like everyone's like, wow, well, look at all the upside. He's really just, he should be playing U16. Uh, but in the end, it really came to impact him as a freshman at Michigan. He came in, he was very skinny, very young, and just really struggled defensively to kind of pick up Michigan's schemes and really make an impact on that side to the point where he just was out of the rotation for most of that year. And I was always a big fan of what he could do with the ball and thought he had a lot of potential, but it was also pretty clear, like, look, this guy he can't play rotation minutes in the big 10 right now, just because of where he's at physically, where he's at mentally and kind of how he's processing the game. Um, so I think his sophomore or his freshman year was probably as disappointing as you could expect based on kind of those expectations and everything else. But at the same point, I think he was kind of like a breakout player hiding in plain sight headed into a sophomore year just because those are the kind of things that can be fixed in an offseason, right? Like you're going to be stronger. You're going to know what's going on in a way that you didn't before, and there was going to be opportunity there. So I don't know if I would have said, wow, like he's definitely going to be a, a lottery pick after his sophomore year. But at the same time, judging by his trajectory, he's never gotten like he's going to be a four-year player in Michigan or anything like that. So it, the acceleration came quick, but – you also could kind of see it coming out, say. Yeah, and I mean, I remember when he came in. You know, obviously, I've sold my audience. I, I'm a Michigan fan, so I pay attention to this stuff very closely. And it was, uh, it was disappointing for sure. His freshman season, I think he he made a quip on draft night about how basically he couldn't guard anybody as a freshman. You just you just said that, and he admitted it. And part of that was strength. And also, actually, I actually was going to ask you this later, but I'll ask you it now. The Big Ten's playing style probably doesn't like set up for an 18 year old freshman like Kobe Bufkin, who's as skinny as he was. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I, I want to know like what you make, cause I know you cover the whole big 10 in general too. Like, what do you make of like that translation in general, not even just with Kobe, but like there's a lot of playing style questions. There's a lot of talk about playing style with like Jalen Huchifino, for instance, and like a lot of, a lot of the big 10 playing kind of bigger, a little bit more old school in some ways. Do you, how do you kind of parse that with compared to some of these other leagues where these guys are coming from? So it's hard. Cause I don't follow the NBA that yeah. closely and I don't know like these guys kind of go off and I never really think of them again um so I don't know maybe like what has translated and what hasn't to the NBA from the Big Ten generally I think just from how closely I follow college basketball and how the draft is evaluated I think there's a lot of opportunity probably to draft people who aren't used properly in college um because I think there's so much focus on their stats their numbers everything a lot of guys play the role they play because of what their team needs and maybe their offensive system isn't great or their offensive system is really great. And that kind of skews what you think of them. Like I think of someone like Nick Stauskas, who was probably in the perfect offensive system design tailor-made to exactly what he can do. Yeah. So you're going to lead to that guy getting overdrafted. Whereas if you play in a system where maybe they run awful stuff, they don't ever look <laughs> that good statistically well, then those guys, all of a sudden, they get in a better offense and they look completely different. So as far as the, the physical style of the Big Ten, I think that probably played an impact. But a lot of, like, Kobe's defensive problems as a freshman, I think, were as much kind of, like, mental and just processing the game faster. Like, it was a problem that he was this very skinny guy. But at the same time, 
Like, I just remember, I think there was a game at Penn State, and he pr- probably got beat off the same action like four times in a row. And just I, they took him out of that game in the first half. And I don't know if he played again until like three weeks later. So <laughs> I think it was more about just figuring out how to react to the game at that speed because they're really the Big Ten is a league where as much as we talk about kind of the strength and physicality and playing through the post, the other thing is like, these are really well coached. It's like an execution league. Um, there's yeah. a lot of half court offense. And if you're not dialed into your stuff, I think you can get exposed pretty quickly. And that, that can really cause problems in a hurry and kind of prevent someone like that from getting on the floor. It's not like you're just going to get up and down and play your game. You have to really be locked into the scouting report. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's very easy to be caught up in everything that you actually have everyone else needs from you and never actually take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. I go to this for sure, in the midst of juggling all kinds of different work things and family commitments, et cetera. When we spend time giving all of our time, it could really sometimes leave us stretched pretty thin or even burned out. Therapy can give you tools to find more balance in your life. And part of that is being able to support others without having to leave yourself behind. Therapy is exceptionally helpful when it comes to learning coping skills, or even setting boundaries. It can also help you step up with the best version of yourself. If you thought about giving therapy a try, I definitely recommend giving BetterHelp that try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire, and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. If you want to change therapists, you can do so with no charge at BetterHelp. Find a better balance with BetterHelp today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA as well. Get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash LockedOnNBA. I'm going to ask you about his skill set too, but we mentioned the strength a few times. That's kind of the area that I think even the Hawks have said, like, it's not a secret that he's going to have to get stronger. He's still quite skinny. He's gotten he's gotten stronger, like you said. I think he weighed in at like 185 at the combine for a guy who's like 6'4", 6'5". That's very, very thin. Mm-hmm. Um is that kind of the main area that um, I know he's already kind of improved on, but like, do you see that as a potential limiting factor? Or can like, you know, can he, can he actually add some strength more to this is I guess the question I'll ask. Yeah. I, I think he, he probably can. Like, I don't, I don't see any reason. It's not like he's a guy who like the frame seems there to be able to put on weight. Like I, I'm not that worried about that. I think he, he plays pretty tough, especially offensively with, with the ball, right? Like, his biggest strength, I think, offensively is his ability to get to the rim and finish, right? Like that was not something you'd really expect if you think this is a scrawny kid who's going to get pushed around and whatever else. So I, I do think that he'll continue to add strength. I don't know that that would be like, that would not be my biggest concern with maybe his projection going forward. I think it'll just kind of be a natural progression, especially when you add in his age and everything else. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not as worried about that as like, it seems like it's kind of, it's like someone who's short, like they've always been short and they know how <laughs> yeah. to play short. So he's skinny. He uses it, right? Like he, he knows how to play into his frame on offense and defense, I think. So I'm not as, I don't worry that much about that. Um, we'll see. I, I think we agree. And I think because he knows that he's going to have to get stronger and you, you throw in an, an NBA weight training staff and all that. Like, I think he's going to be strong enough. It, it, he may not, he's never going to be this beast of a guy. Yeah, he's not going to bully you in the post or anything, right. but you, you mentioned the craft. I mean, finishing at the rim, I guess we can go to the offense now. Cause that's something I circled too. The numbers are great on it. The synergy numbers were fantastic. Um, you wouldn't assume that just seeing him again, how skinny he is, you wouldn't uh, first thing assumption. If you don't watch the guy, wouldn't be like, Oh, great finisher at the rim, but that might've been his best trait this year. Um, I'll ask you about that as well. And, and, you know, kind of 
what the role development was as well, because it's kind of been out there in the mainstream as a talking point. And I wonder what you think about this too, that Michigan kind of changed the offense a little bit in the middle of the season and kind of gave him the ball more. And I want to know if that actually happened in your mind, because that was kind of talked about between Jed and Kobe, especially. And then you throw in Hunter Dickinson and we don't have to go through all of the Michigan ups and downs. But um, as far as like strengths and weaknesses, but also how his role developed and changed over the course of the season. Yeah. So his, like the, what you say, getting to the rim, that was his strong suit. And it's not just finishing. Like, you can finish if you're kind of a guy who catches, like, gets a lot of assisted baskets around there. Like, no, Kobe was all basically creating his own offense, getting to the rim and scoring. And that is a – I like, just from studying college basketball, that's a rare ability. to. I think he shot, like, over 60% at the rim. That's not, like, a normal – that's, like, way above average for a guard. Um, so yeah. that's, like – a one kind of what to be excited about from his game. Now, my one caveat would be, I do think that Juwan Howard designs really good offense to get his kind of primary ball handlers in position to get to their strong hand and finish. Uh, Franz Wagner was really good kind of with all these right hand finishes coming off of different actions. And Michigan really knew how to get Kobe going to his left, getting downhill and getting to the basket in a situation where he could finish. So some of that is system, but I still really like it. Um, the big concern, I think, offensively, for me at least, and this kind of plays into his role, I guess you could say, but his jump shot and his three-point jump shot and how much confidence he has in it, uh, he just couldn't make a shot for the first, like, six weeks of the season. And then he went through kind of two weeks where he wouldn't take a shot. And then he went through, like, January, February, where he just started making – 40% of his threes and like everything was awesome. And he looked like this, he looked like a pro and it's like, well, if you're going to do that, like, okay. But there seems to be sort of, there would just still be these moments where he's not quite as confident in his three point shot. And I, I, I don't think there's like something fundamentally wrong with his jump shot or anything like that. It's really just a matter of kind of the confidence to take those shots and hunt those shots instead of just take them if you're given them. Right. And I think that'll come, but that's, that's the big concern. And that plays into his role because when he wasn't taking those shots early in the season, he couldn't make those shots. It kind of threw everything out of whack a little bit. And then what happened to Michigan was Jalen Llewellyn tears his ACL in early December. Uh, so you're down a point guard, move Doug McDaniel into the starting point guard. He's a true freshman. He had to play basically 39 minutes every game. <laughs> yeah. um, he was basically not playable before like very he was still trying to figure out how to pull, get get, in, get into the rotation at that point so that led to Kobe playing a lot basically every minute himself right he was the starting shooting guard backup point guard and now the guy who was kind of the savvy veteran at a as a 19 year old <laughs> sophomore in the backcourt so that changed his role a bit and then it was just sort of this starts making every shot like you're gonna get him more and more touches um Jet Howard had some injuries missed some games and the reality is that it was almost a, like due to attrition that Michigan just kept losing pieces or pieces becoming less effective. And there was just more and more put onto Kobe Bufkin's shoulders. Like that was, it's not like they ran different stuff or put him in different positions, really. It was just like, well, you're about all we have left. So we need you to score 20 now instead of 14. Yeah, I mean, and a lot's been made of his last, uh, I'm looking at it now, 12 games. He averaged, I think, 17 and six and shot just incredibly well. 
60% true shooting, all this stuff. And that's an arbitrary endpoint. I'll be the first to say that, but it was also his last 12 games. So it's like kind of, you know, as you're peaking and growing and that gets a lot of attention, um, you kind of laid out why that happened. But um, I, I guess the question is how real that is, because I, I mean, the shooting is a question. I was going to ask you about that later, but we can get into a little bit more now. You know, the way that I've put it, and I don't know if you agree or not, is like it's an area where I'm pretty confident he can, that he can and will shoot. How good of a shooter he is is the question. And I'm intrigued by what you said about the lack of um, sometimes, you know, maybe confidence questions because, you know, that's something that I, I know in the NBA, especially with this Hawks team, and I'll, and I'll say that, like, they're going to want – they want everybody to fire. They don't want anybody, especially on the perimeter. And, you know, that's one of the things that I think Quinn Snyder is going to be like, okay, you can't you can't be doing that. You have to – even if you're not making shots, you've got to shoot shots. So, uh, you know, does that – makeup-wise, I mean, I don't think that's going to be a concern too much, but I, I do want to ask you about the, about the jumper a little bit more in general. Like, do you think he's going to be an okay shooter for a perimeter guy in the NBA? Yeah, I, I think so. And he can like he can shoot off the bounce. He can shoot off the catch. Like he shot really well in the mid range. Like I think all the signs are there that he will be a good shooter. And like you say, it's just going to be drilling sort of that that mentality. Um, and a lot of like the thing about college basketball is there's like a very hyped up level of pressure on every game that I don't think necessarily exists in the NBA. And I'm not. It's not that like every NBA game doesn't matter, but it's just like a way bigger sample size and the pressure of like any single college game can sort of like tank your whole season and it can create this sort of uh, just over when you're struggling, it makes, Mm -hmm. it seems to make it exponential, right? Like you can kind of go through a shooting slump over an 82 game NBA season and it just sort of washes away. But if you slump for eight games in college, it's a third of your season almost. It's like, okay, this is my draft stock. Like everything just sort of ties in and starts to build. So I do think playing as, I'm not a guy who has to score every point and play every minute and make every shot and just can focus on his game. Like everyone swears by his work ethic, his kind of mentality, his makeup. Like those are all good things. I'm pretty confident he'll be able to shoot. Like since he was in high school, his ability, he can kind of create those off the bounce threes. Like I, I like his shot overall. I think his free throw numbers are all fine. So I'm not that worried about it. It's just going to be drilling that confidence over and over to say, okay, make those shots. And as far as the late season stuff, like, it, it really just comes out like he shot 40% from three and when he was, so yeah. that's going to change your stats, right? Like if you're, if you make threes, you're, it's a simple, simple game basketball. It is a very simple game. Sometimes if you make threes. Today's show was brought to you by FanDuel. Baseball season is in full swing now. You can take your first swing at betting MLB at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're a new customer, get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right, bet $20, and you get $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. FanDuel also has great promotions each and every day, and they get paid instantly when you happen to win at FanDuel. The app is safe and secure, and they have all the kinds of betting angles that you're looking for of the entire range of sports you might be looking at, MLB, NBA, WNBA, NFL, college football, college baseball, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, and much more. And they have different wavering options as well. Live betting, player props, futures, point spreads, totals, money lines. It's all there at FanDuel. And there's no better place to bet on either baseball, basketball, etc. than America's number one sports book. Sign up today and FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 back in bonus bets. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. I wanted to follow up on what you said about the intel because, you know, you're around the team and uh, Landry Fields, the Hawks GM, made it a point to kind of go out of his way to say at the draft that the intel was great on Kobe. And I believe the quote was that, that they believe that he is, quote, in love with the game in a way that mm-hmm. not, not not everybody is. It sounds like from what you said, that's not going to be a question. I've heard good things, too, but you're, you're closer than I am. Great intel on Kobe for the most part. 
Yeah, I've never really heard anything bad about him. Um, I like obviously, and I I'm a big. I think guys should transfer if they want to transfer. But to have him, like to have his freshman year go as it did, right? Like he didn't play. He was a McDonald's All American. He had a, about as disappointing of a year as you could draw up. And he didn't like decide to transfer or anything like that. He decided to come back. I think he even like there was rumors about him transferring. I think he went to Juwan Howard said. No, I'm staying. I want to like build. Like I want to stick to what what I came here to do. And then he basically played his way into the 15th pick in the NBA draft 12 months later. Like that's, I think everything there adds up about what he is as a player. Like I think he just kind of lives in the gym and wants to get better. And that's certainly what you want to see from a prospect at his age. Especially when you know coming to the Hawks, I know there was some reporting out there. I think it was true that some some of the guards in the draft didn't want to come to Atlanta necessarily because they have these two guards that are like high profile guys. And I think mm-hmm. you know whether that was true or not, I think Kobe's going to come in and work hard by all accounts. Like you talked about how much he's a hard worker, and he's going to have to because you know for a, any rookie is going to be this way. But especially a guy who may not he may not play a ton right away. And I, you know whether that motivates you or you soul kind of dictate your, the rest of your career, like how you handle that kind of first wave. But I think it's maybe good that he already had some adversity in his freshman year. I mean, a lot of guys have never had it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. not to go psychoanalyze these guys, but a lot of guys just have never had any issue all the way through. And he had a, he had a bad season as a freshman and that maybe helps. Yeah. It, it can't hurt. I would say. Yeah. Um, before we get out of here, I want to ask about his defense too, because you know, he, like I said, he, he made fun of himself about his freshman year. You talked about earlier, his defensive questions, I think now he's viewed as a potential plus defender in the NBA based on his length and the way that he can navigate screens and all that. But um, what did you make of, the, of his defense this year overall? And also, like, what kind of what was the calling card defensively for him in college, and how does that kind of translate? You think? Yeah, so he basically had he really had to do just about everything for this Michigan team <laughs> in a lot of ways because Michigan lost a lot. And brought it like Jet Howard was this great offensive prospect, but not a good defensive prospect in the slightest. And Doug McDaniel was a true freshman who was five foot 11. And that's probably being generous. So then you look at Kobe's basically the guy who one, he has to play every minute offensively. He has to kind of shoulder some reps uh, on the ball, almost as like a a point guard. And then he's usually going to be guarding the opposition's best perimeter player on any given night for the entire time he's on the floor. So that's a lot. I don't think that's really something you'd want to ask one player to do in any normal situation, but um, he, he improved exponentially defensively. Like obviously it's easy to improve from unplayable to something (laughs) else, but he was very good and his length. I think is really deceptive. He gets like maybe a steal every other game where he just kind of pokes the ball free, like near mid court. He can, he has good timing to block shots for occasionally. Like he, he has really long arms and those come into effect. He knows how to use his length, even though he kind of slithers around. Like he doesn't look like overly quick, but his timing is great. And I think he'll be a good defensive player. I don't know that I'd ever say like he's going to be this impact defensive guy, but I think he'll be plenty good defensively. Yeah, that's kind of what I think too. I don't view, I don't view him as like he's not Casey Wallace who has like this all no. all, all NBA ceiling defensively, you know. But I do think that given the combination of his length, uh, use the word slither. That's so funny. That's been, I think the most commonly used term with Kobe screen navigation is slithery. Everyone keeps saying that same. It's kind of funny, but it does paint the picture of what he, what he is. Like he, he's just, he's pretty crafty. He feels the game. Well, um, 
What do you make of his all of his off ball defense? Uh, it's very it's a lot different in the NBA than it is in college. But as he uh, you mentioned earlier, because of the inattentiveness off the ball sometimes as a freshman, like is that a concern? Like what's his attention level now, and like kind of how he looks off the ball? I I didn't think of it as a huge concern his sophomore year. Um, he definitely guarded sort of on ball guys more than off ball guys. I would say just based on how Michigan's yeah roster set up. Um, I, I think probably like a B, like a B plus. Like I, I don't think it was never like a glaring issue to the extent that it was previously, I would say this year. Um, so yeah, that, I, I don't, I, I give them, I think solid. And, you know, overall I've kind of described Kobe on my podcast as like a guy who is not elite at anything, but also doesn't mm-hmm. have really anything that I'm terribly concerned about, which it's been funny to hear the reactions to that, as you might imagine. Some people like really like that approach, and some people are like, "Wait, he's not great at anything." I'm like, "Well, he's the 15th pick. He's not the fifth pick in the draft. He's the 15th pick, and that makes it a little bit more palatable." But does that sound like a reasonable description of what you've seen with Kobe? Kind of like checks a lot of boxes, but isn't necessarily maybe maybe the finishing is elite, maybe something like that. But is that kind of a reasonable um, synopsis? Yeah, I think for me, the big question with him is how his game grows. Like, is he a point guard? Is he a two guard? Like, he has the ability to be different parts of each of those, but I'm not sure how he gets there, right? Like, he was really good in ball screen situations for Michigan, but he shot on closer to, I want to say, like three out of every four compared to a, like a point guard, you would want more at like a little less than 50%, right? Like, he, he's an okay passer. He's, he makes good passes, but he's not like a point guard level passer. And I think for me, that's maybe the big, other than his three-point shot, like that's the swing factor, right? Are you going to just be kind of this microwave scoring kind of two-guard combo guard off the bench, or can you be like an actual point guard facilitator? And I think he grew a lot in that area because Michigan needed him to this year, but that for me is going to be the, the swing. Like, okay, if you can do that, if you can be a point guard and a great passer, then all of a sudden you have a lot more, I guess, just like positional versatility, right? Like there's a lot of six, four guards who can score a bit, dribble a bit, shoot a bit. Like he needs to kind of find that one thing to differentiate himself. And I think that would be his point guard skills. Yeah, that's a good point. And one of the reasons I, I like the fit in Atlanta is that he's playing with Trey Young and like he doesn't have to be the point guard. Mm-hmm. Like, because that's one of the questions I got after the draft, as you might imagine, like, okay, is he a point guard or two guard? I'm like kind of both in some mm-hmm. ways. Like I think he might, you know, assuming Trey Young is on the team and this is a more Hawks thing, but um, he'll never be asked to be the starting point guard on the Hawks as mm-hmm. long as Trey Young is there. But he also he also might be asked, like he was at Michigan at times, like you said, to be kind of the back, kind of be the backup point guard and maybe play eight, 10 minutes a game in that kind of stewardship role. I, th- I think he can do that. I'm not sure he's going to be able to do that right away as a, as a rookie because that's, that's a lot to ask. But um, I think it's almost more of the appeal in this situation and the, and the fit in Atlanta is that he doesn't have to be that, but you're mm-hmm. right. I, I do agree though. It would be nice for him to show more of that. And I also think that particularly again, in this situation in Atlanta, his defense is going to be more under a magnifying glass because he's playing with Trey Young, long story short. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. And it'll kind of be test. Like he had to guard up a lot because like big wings if Jet Howard couldn't really guard them. And yeah. now probably have to guard maybe smaller, quicker guys. You would say, um, if you're going to have that same kind of issue at point, but I, yeah, I, I think it's a good point. Like he doesn't have that sort of like elite single thing that's going to stand out, but there's just so much there. And again, I, you have to look at his age. Like he's a sophomore, but he's younger than a lot of guys in this draft. So Uh I, I really think there's still more to come just sort of like simple 
foundational developmental things that maybe you don't get with other players. Yeah, I, I listed a bunch of the freshmen in the in the, in the draft that Kobe is younger than on, on the uh, post-draft reaction show. People are like, wait, he's younger than this guy? I'm like, yeah, Brandon Miller, the Thompson twin, like all these guys that Kobe is younger than, and you would never think that because, uh, you know, uh, and you know, there is a debate, I guess, about how much age matters versus class. And it's not just as simple as how old are you. Uh, that, that does matter. But mm-hmm. uh, given the way that – I'm glad you mentioned that I haven't said the COVID thing because, like, this entire group, at least these couple of years, are really impacted by that year plus of, like, weird development and evaluation. And that's part of the story too, I think. Yeah, there are definitely some weird misses that high school class. So it would be, what, two classes ago? Because um, that was the one there's just nothing in the offseason, if I remember right. And yeah. that – that's sort of provides a baseline for these guys that you don't, you didn't, you just didn't have with that group. Makes sense to me. Uh, well, Dylan, I appreciate it all the time, man. If you have anything else to add about Kobe Bufkin that you're itching to get off your chest, feel, please feel free. And if not, um, go ahead and plug everything you got going. Cause I know you are uh, everywhere on the Michigan basketball beat. No, I, I think that's a, about it. Um, it seems like a good fit for Kobe. Um, I'm excited to watch him kind of grow into that role. Uh, you can find everything I do at umhoops.com or follow me on Twitter at umhoops. Um, thanks for having me on. I would encourage everybody to do that. Obviously, I know there are only some Michigan fans in my uh, in my orbit here, but there are some. I will say, I always get because they know I'm a Michigan fan. I'm always getting the go blues from from some people who are Hawks <laughs> fans. Maybe there are if they're if you're a Michigan fan and you're not already following UM Hoops and all the content Dylan does, I recommend doing that. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate it very very much. Thank you. As for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend about the show, and we'll see you all next time.